Welcome to the Codifier Podcast. Codifier is a podcast about breaking down emerging trends and technologies into bite-sized chunks for everyone, from software developers to sales gurus to even your grandparents, so that they can stay clued in and techno-savvy in today's ever-changing world. Hello, long time no, well, talk in your ear quietly about technology. My name is Steve Jaguar. I have not done a Codifier podcast, I think, since last October 2020. And that was my Shine Theory podcast. It was really good. I think you should go back and listen to it. Of course I do. Uh, the reason I haven't done that is because my full-time job is now writing, talking, podcasting, and speaking about technology. It's something that I didn't foresee would happen when I started this podcast but, you know, perhaps this podcast helped grease the wheels that directed my career in that direction, which is amazing. But this podcast still matters. And once again, inspired by a question from a family member, I have a new episode for you. It's one that is late coming. It was originally suggested to me by my wife, and now it was inspired or doubled down on by my wife's father, my wife's family. Um... And it is the cloud. The cloud is the subject. The cloud is not somebody else's computer. Uh, well, well, not not entirely. It, it kind of is, but at the same time, it is so much more. I mean, recently, the discussion I had with my wife's dad, uh, who is over 70, but a rather technologically capable individual and still perpetually curious, which is great, which is how this conversation started. I mentioned that I was now working with a company that focuses on cloud security. That company is called Bridge Crew. You can look it up. He gave me this puzzled and bemused look and echoed the words back to me, the cloud, and I'm, I'm making air quotes, and said, oh yeah, that uh, somebody else's big computer, right? Which is, that is a common joke in the industry, no doubt. Uh, I even looked it up and found you can buy it on t-shirts. And I'm going to use that as the main image for when I translate that this into a blog article. Uh, in the, the tech industry, we've been working on the cloud over 15 years, long enough that the term cloud is used in the media and is used by people outside of the technology bubble. It's graduated into a more common vernacular. It's common enough that many don't really know what the cloud really is, yet they'll say it. And the media will do the same. And it's these moments and that moment I had with my wife's dad were the realization that when a technology and its terminology have gone mainstream enough, they become the genesis of these blogs, these podcasts that I like to do for this, this podcast for Codifier. And I've not done one in a while, and this is long overdue. It's a perfect opportunity. So let's get going. I'll start with Amazon. Now, it's fair to say that Amazon invented what we now call the cloud. They were the first to market with it, and even they admit, well, I, they, when I say they, I mean Andy Jassy, who was the founding CEO for AWS, which is Amazon Web Services, which was created by Amazon. He is quoted as saying, I don't think any of us had the audacity to predict it would grow as big or as fast as it has. Before the 2000s, the idea, or certainly the term of something as a service, or its four-letter acronym that you sometimes see, which could be capital S or I, let's say for infrastructure, as a small A, two small A's in a row, and then a big S, service. That, that 
didn't really exist yet or not in the way that we know it now. Between 2000 and 2003, Amazon was really just trying to solve a problem they had created for themselves. They were trying to streamline their own e-commerce system, which was impaired by low margins. If you remember, Amazon started as a bookstore, essentially, and in doing so created the Amazon Web Services, or AWS. This offspring of Amazon had a goal of creating internal, reusable, common infrastructure services like storage for data to stop teams from reinventing the wheel every time they started a new project. This is a common pain point for many expanding technology organizations, particularly those born on the web. It took three years of solving their own problems to realize this problem was common, and perhaps the internal AWS should become an externally offered AWS. So in 2006, AWS launched S3, Simple Storage Service, to offer a highly scalable, reliable, low-latency data storage infrastructure, uh, ideally with very low costs. It is actually really cheap. AKA, to the layman, a hard drive in the sky. Later that year, they did the same thing, launching Elastic Compute Cloud, now known to many of the geeks as EC2, something so commonly used amongst cloud users that they, many people probably don't even know what EC2 stands for. And now we had a computer in the sky. Hurrah! What else would we possibly need? Compute and storage. You could even order in various sizes, like large and extra large. It was like McDonald's for compute. At that point, the cloud was, well, it kind of was somebody else's computer. It was Jeff Bezos' computer and his big hard drive. From there is where it gets confusing because understanding how far it has grown beyond that is mind-boggling. Beyond that to the extreme of that computer or data center becoming a series of military-grade and defended D data centers spanning 26 geographical regions all around the world, creating 84 different availability zones with many more regions in the works. Sufficient to say it was popular and has expanded to accommodate. It's probably better to think of it now as a few million computers scattered all over the globe to provide you with a ubiquitous computer, which always gives you a resilient and highly performant result regardless of your geographical location. A, a parallel to where it is now, I would, well, that might feel familiar, is cell or mobile infrastructure. You, you know, say, for example, you travel on a train, you've got your phone, and ideally you're not going through a tunnel. You can maintain a call, mostly, as your phone is magically switching between geographies and therefore cell towers and it's doing so without any disruption to you you don't really notice the underlying infrastructure you just get the ability to make a call through space and time to someone somewhere else in the world and it just works in a similar way you can access an online service like your banking or uh, well, I guess an obvious one is Amazon. I mean, that's a great example because uh, that is the e-commerce platform that spawned the creation of its own cloud to support it. And it, for the most part, always just works regardless of where you are. It certainly works more than if you tried to maintain a data center yourself. 
those two services that I mentioned earlier, the compute and storage from way back in 2006, have expanded now, uh, 15 years later, to over 200 services featuring everything from machine learning and artificial intelligence to quantum computing as a service. There's a conference called AWS reInvent that happens every year in November slash December uh, in Las Vegas, and it is a giant showboating affair where AWS announces its new big shiny service offerings and everybody claps and it's really nice and it's super expensive. But it is genuinely amazing. I was there this year, luckily enough, and some of the innovations they announce each year are, are stunning. Some of them on the service look like a product of lateral thinking. Some basement-dwelling geniuses come, and that's because some are. But for the most part, every time a cloud provider launches a new service, it's probably actually a self-serving act of kindness. Just like the inception of the cloud itself was a series of useful internal services to solve their own problem with their e-commerce, this pattern hasn't stopped. It's not gone away. The shiny machine learning service will likely be something that that provider needed to make their own cloud infrastructure better or more efficient. They're still solving their own problem, which, as the proverb goes, necessity is the mother of, of invention. It just so happens that necessity at something like AWS invokes a whole new level of innovation that we also get to benefit from. I've been using AWS as the poster child for this subject, but in all fairness, there are many cloud providers. The, the big three are AWS, Microsoft, and Google. Now, there's all sorts of other providers. IBM has a cloud. Alibaba in China has a cloud. There's cl and it, actually, that's a good parallel to Amazon. Alibaba was a marketplace for buying you know, things from China in bulk and importing them into the West. And obviously, their infrastructure requirements meant that they could either buy or build, and they built their own cloud. But anyway, the number two is Microsoft. Microsoft has their Azure cloud, and it has a similar data center reach. And then taking the bronze medal in the race is Google's GCP, Google Cloud Platform. Each cloud platform has specific selling points, like, say, Microsoft caters to the diehard, Microsoft ecosystem fans, uh, Google's known more for ease of use and pricing, etc. They all offer services with a similar scale and capability. So let's get back to what the cloud really is and trying to end with a definition in this podcast where we started off with saying the cloud is somebody else's computer. That's still kind of accurate, as I described, if you advance that to millions of computers and there are many people, many individuals who are huge, monstrous companies that you can choose from who owns that computer. And you might choose them for a variety of reasons. You might not choose Google because of privacy reasons, and you might choose AWS for innovation, et cetera, et cetera. Now, AWS themselves, or an individual, I think, again, it was Andy Jassy, the same person, who described the cloud as becoming the operating system for the internet. And I like that a lot more. It's more accurate than somebody else's computer. And in fact, while being accurate, it's also slightly deficient. The, the cloud provides a capability to create and accelerate any software application you might want to build 
And it does it in a way that's similar to your laptop. Your laptop provides you with compute power. It provides you with storage. It provides you with memory. It provides you with a familiar and friendly environment. And you can install applications on there, which act as services to help you build your application. In the case of the cloud, it's the same thing. You can run your application on anything from requesting a virtual MacBook to a globally scaled 2000 CPU core supercomputer with terabytes of RAM complete with security and resiliency, and you only pay for what, when, and how you use it, if that's what you need. Okay, that's the end of this podcast. Thanks for listening. My name is Steve Jaguar. I hope that was clear. If you didn't quite know what the cloud was, or you thought it was a giant computer, in a volcanic James Bond style offshore location. Well, it's not that it's not that because there are smaller cloud providers that specialize in extreme security and there very well could be a data center in a giant bond like volcanic lair somewhere in an offshore. But for the most part, it's a lot of really boring data centers all over the world and big companies like Amazon and Microsoft and Google who can afford to create these and without any surprise, all of which needed this as a service themselves have created this and we just get to reap the side benefits of it and they power everything we do now from traffic lights to our mobile phones to our services to our banking they are in control of a lot so much so that recently this year aws had a few outages so they have scaled to the point where in spite of their own resiliency and their scalability and all the wonderful services they offer they're innovating. They're the first to do these things most often than not. And every now and then huh, they run into a glitch or they find amazingly a single point of failure in their own infrastructure that creates and is the underlying computer that powers and creates and monitors the cloud. So it's still a work in progress. We can be a little bit forgiving. And I think, as I said earlier, it's still a lot more reliable and a lot easier and probably a lot cheaper than running your own data centers or running your own computers to do things at that level of scale. Okay, I'm going to cut it off there. This has been a lot of fun. It's been great to be back. This has been another Codifier episode. And thank you for listening. <laughs>